You're allowed to be angry. Now there's a thought, indeed a liberating one. I've been thinking about this more recently. It's the logical conclusion that I've reached. You're allowed to be angry. The reality is in church, you don't always fare well with that particular emotion, though. Maybe a bit of reflection would serve all of us well. Church is a pretty dope place. You have people of different ethnicities, races, nationalities, socioeconomic statuses, political affiliations, personality types, etc., all coming together for the sake of one purpose, worshiping God and advancing his kingdom. Now, equally important in the mix of all of this is this notion of family. You can pick, but you can't pick your family. You're stuck with me as a brother in Christ until I die or renounce my faith, whichever one comes first. Like all families, we're there for each other in life's beautiful moments when we profess our love for our spouse, when we earn our degree or second or third, when we buy our first home, when we become debt-free um, and other major life milestones. But life isn't always sunshine and rainbows. Family, sometimes we have to uh, be there in otherwise difficult situations too. When a close loved one dies or you know, when you learn of a miscarriage or when you get passed over for a promotion or you know, any number of things, ups and downs, life has those. Even so, in my observation, I don't think we have a great approach to life's lows in the church. Specifically, I'm talking about people being angry. More specifically, I'm talking about when people are angry concerning you know, social issues or social injustice. Take your pick, race relations um, or, or sexism, immigration, police brutality, Islamophobia, xenophobia, whatever the case may be. I'm here to tell you, you're allowed to be angry. But in church, we don't always make people feel that way. In fact, I think we've made anger pretty taboo, actually. In the extreme, we make people feel bad that they're angry at all. You know, the Bible describes us as God's handiwork. It says that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I don't think there's anything in all of existence that God is more proud of than the creation of man and woman. You realize the only thing in all of existence that the Bible says is made in God's image is man. The Bible doesn't say that about angels. It doesn't say that about spirits. It doesn't say that about cherubim. It doesn't say that about seraphim. We, man, are made in his image. And then there's everything else. While I think there are many distinguishing features that set us apart as unique, like personality and the pursuit of self-actualization, certainly free will, etc., I can't help but feel that emotion is a very, very important part of how humans reflect God. You see in the Bible that God is described as compassionate, um, having regrets, being content, feeling grief, having joy, and even having hate. 
And there are scripture references for all of these things. When I think about the Old Testament in particular, two emotions usually come to mind about God. Jealousy and anger. So we can add those to the list too. Israel had a bad habit of worshiping foreign gods, which made Yahweh jealous. And ultimately, he would become quite angry with them. Good thing there's grace, although I wouldn't describe grace as an emotion. Or, I don't know, maybe you can convince me. Yes, God got angry. Past tense. Yes, God gets angry. Present tense. I think there are lots of reasons why, but it's so important to note and understand that we have emotion. Further, attempting to suppress our emotions in some ways is like trying to renounce one of our most defining and distinguishing characteristics as humans. Our emotions, anger included, are part of what make us like God. Yes, you are allowed to be angry. Absolutely. Now, I know what you're thinking. The Bible says be angry and do not sin. Yes, it says that in Ephesians, uh, in, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. And there's another scripture in the gospel. Actually, it's in both Matthew and Mark. It shows uh, up more than once in the gospel with Jesus flipping tables because he's angry. Those are helpful for context, but I also want to make sure we're clear on my broader point. My broader point is that we've made anger taboo in church, even if it's not sin. My broader point is that we make people feel bad about their anger, even if it's not sin. My broader point is that we treat anger as an emotion quite differently than we treat almost any other feeling on the human emotion spectrum. For those reasons, as I mentioned before, I think we do well to rethink how we conceptualize anger in the church. True. I will acknowledge that I think emotions can cloud our judgment and lead us to say and do things we ordinarily wouldn't. But have you noticed at church, we don't make all emotions taboo. We don't even make most emotions taboo. Just anger. Even though I think all emotion in some capacity or another can serve to compromise our judgment. If a married man comes home from work and is excited about a promotion he received, his wife doesn't sit him down and say, careful, honey, I don't want you to get so excited that you have too much to drink. You need to make sure you have your emotions in check. Okay, sweet pea? That would be really weird. Albeit her comments would be reasonable. If one of my roommates came home from work and told me that they're finally debt free, I wouldn't sit them down and say, careful, bro. I don't want you to get too excited and take off your pants and go sleep with somebody. You really need to dial it down. OK, that would also be really weird. Albeit like my comments before. Uh, they would still that comment would still be reasonable. As I stated, I think all emotion can act in a way to compromise our better judgment. But we tend to treat anger differently. 
further at church, we've created a situation where we're allowed to demonstrate emotions that are socially accepted as good, and we're expected to suppress emotions that we deem bad or taboo, even though all of these emotions come from God and make us more like him. I'll admit, it is worth noting that the Bible says Christians should be slow to anger. The Bible also said that God is slow to anger. You know, uh, in James 1, that's the, the, the scripture that says that Christians should be slow to anger. And that verse carries weight. The verse that follows it in James 1 says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But it's also worth noting that Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says that godly sorrow produces, among other things, indignation. Yes, godly sorrow, according to Paul, periodically produces indignation. And indignation is a form of anger. I say that to say very clearly we can't characterize all anger as undesirable because James says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And Paul says godly sorrow produces indignation, which is a form of anger. Like many spiritual matters, I think we have to evaluate things by the fruit they produce. That's a reference to Matthew 7, verses 17 through 20. I need to be careful. There are many, many despicable and reprehensible things that have unfolded over the history of mankind linked to the emotion of anger. We're less than four chapters into the Bible when we see how anger led Cain to kill his brother Abel. It's Genesis 4. There were only four people on the face of the planet, and one of them got angry and killed another. Now, certainly, this indicates some precedent. Beyond that, even from a research perspective, literature on the psychology of emotions dichotomizes emotions as positive and negative. Not surprisingly, things like anger, anxiety, guilt, sadness, etc. These are all things that are characterized as negative emotions. Rightfully so. I don't think anyone enjoys feeling angry, at least relative to other emotions like happiness, excitement, you know, things of that sort. Still, I can't help but feel we need to give anger a bit more thought. For instance, I don't know if we do a great job distinguishing between people who are angry and people who are sinning. I think our great temptation and pitfall is to treat them as one and the same, which is just plain lazy. I don't know if you're sinning or not, but I'm pretty sure you're angry, and that's bad. Be more like Jesus. Are anger and spirituality mutually exclusive, though? Can I be angry and be like Jesus? We tend not to see moments where we're happy as preventing us from being like Jesus. We tend not to see moments where we're sad as preventing us from being like Jesus. 
And sadness is actually a negative emotion like anger. We tend not to see moments where we're disappointed as preventing us from being like Jesus. Why would it be any different for anger? Contrary to popular belief, I don't think being angry and being like Christ are mutually exclusive. You're allowed to be angry. Again, being angry only becomes a problem when it, uh, when it causes someone to sin. But by that logic, I should never express any emotion because any of them could cause me to sin. The Bible could just as easily read, be happy, but do not sin, or be sad, but do not sin. But anger is the one we focus on because in church, you know, it's a lot more taboo. Sure, church should be a happy place, but would you prefer people be authentic and come angry? Or would you prefer they put on a facade and leave feeling like they can't be 100 with their family? Just so you know, I think most people do the latter. I'm not personally convinced that's healthy, nor am I convinced that's sustainable. But that's another conversation entirely. It's almost like we subscribe to this notion that being these emotionally suppressed robots is the spiritual ideal. Only express the good emotions and minimize all the bad ones. For people who master that, we call them mature or say they have great self-control, even though our emotions make us more like God. For people who don't subscribe to the notion of being an emotionally suppressed robot, we call them less mature, say they have less self-control. Now, I should mention this may be true for some of them or maybe even many of them, but certainly this can't be true for all of them. Here's something I think we tend to overlook. Prophets, by definition, are people in the scriptures who spoke on behalf of God. And quite frequently, they ended up sharing things that people did not want to hear. Now, we could start with one of Israel's most prominent leaders, Moses. And we can mosey on over to the prophet Nathan. We can make our way over to Jesus. We could take a pit stop. At Stevens and Acts, certainly who could uh, forget the Apostle Paul? Prophets quite frequently told people things they didn't want to hear. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if people characterized some of those prophets as angry simply because they had many, many unflattering conversations. And we can look at some of these. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan rebukes David with fire. In fact, at one point, he straight up told David that his neighbors are going to sleep with his wives. I'm sure some people felt like Nathan was angry about David's adultery. But as far as I can tell, Nathan did not sin, even if he was angry. How about the prophet Jeremiah? Now, here's a man that was described as a weeping prophet because he had a very sad message to deliver Israel. They were about to be smashed like a pot by the king of Babylon, and it was because of their unrepentant sin. There's not a lot of fluff in that message, 
Jeremiah's message was pretty pointed. But Jeremiah didn't sin, at least not as far as I can tell. Interestingly, even though Jeremiah may have been characterized as angry by fellow Jews, it was actually pretty sad. He knew what was going to happen to Israel, and there's nothing he could do to stop it. I think we learn an important truth here. Sometimes people will characterize you as angry because of the message that you have or the nature of its content. Even when you're not angry, or even if you're moderate. In Jeremiah's case, I don't think he was angry at all. In fact, he was sad. As a prophet, God gave him revelation about what was to come. And I think that revelation made him far more sad than it did angry. His people were going to be broken. Of course he was sad. Now, how about Jesus? I would potentially go as far as to say that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are the antagonists of the gospel. Although we could, we can all be religious hypocrites, for sure. Jesus had some pretty pointed things to say about them. If you don't believe me, see Matthew 23. Jesus goes off for like 40 verses. Now, my favorite is when he called them whitewashed tombs. He basically said they look great on the outside, but they're dead on the inside. I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but Jesus had very strong opinions. And we get to read about that throughout the gospel. I can't help but feel like if Jesus were here today, somebody in the church would probably try and rebuke him for being angry. No, nah, don't hit Jesus with that. He can be angry and be spiritual at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. One of the biggest points to keep in mind here is that within the social sciences, one of the predictors of anger is violation, perceived injustice, some observed wrongdoing. Not surprisingly, Jesus did seem to be angry about how the religious elite were oppressing the poor or how the poor and needy were being marginalized or uh, the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. Sure, Jesus saw these as a violation of expectations. You know, he saw these as injustice or uh, wrongdoing on the part of the Jews or just humanity at large. Jesus was almost certainly angry. I mean, he's God after all, so I would expect him to be angry at injustice, among other feelings, obviously, as well. But Jesus never sinned, not even once. Now, I admit, this is speculative. But if Jesus were here today and he had something to say about a school shooting, it wouldn't surprise me if he got on Facebook to say something about it. It also wouldn't surprise me in the least if somebody from church uh, reads his Facebook status and approaches him on Sunday because they felt like he was being unwise, even though he didn't sin, because he never sins. If Jesus were here today and he had something to say about, I don't know, women being oppressed, it wouldn't surprise me if he got on Facebook to say something about it. Again, it also wouldn't surprise me if he got a phone call later that day from someone in this small group who felt like he wasn't being an ambassador for God, even though he didn't sin, because he never sins. Before you shoot down those ideas, remember, 
prophets were very outspoken people. These were the guys in the marketplaces preaching a message that nobody wanted to hear. Now, I'll let you decide what that would mean in the 21st century, 2,000 years later. I don't have a vested stake in your opinion, per se, because I tend not to weigh in with that type of commentary on Facebook, but I would encourage you to give it some thought. What would prophecy look like today? Prophets were very outspoken people, and they had to have tough skin to do what they did. Now, just because you don't like how someone chooses to deliver their message doesn't mean there's something wrong with it. Just because you don't like, uh, just because you don't like how they communicate their message doesn't mean it's not like Christ. Jesus wasn't an especially likable person anyway. If he were alive today, and if he attended your church, there's a very good chance that you guys wouldn't even be friends because Jesus wasn't a super likable guy. Yes, quite frequently, Jesus had strong opinions. Yes, sometimes Jesus was angry or perhaps at least came off that way, but he never ever sinned. If Jesus can maintain his opinions and be angry, all the while being fully devoted to God, I think we have to come to terms with the fact that anger can and perhaps should be an absolutely normal part of Christianity. Now, I don't think that takes away from the fact that it's a negative emotion. I think everyone enjoys being happy far, far more than being angry. But I do think we need to rethink this notion of anger being at odds with Christianity, because I'm not entirely convinced that's true. I feel like I'm starting to talk in circles. Here's my point. Guys, people are angry. They're angry about race relations. They're angry about the state of politics in America. They're angry about police brutality. They're angry about, you know, the blatant and persistent sexism that exists and has existed for centuries. They're uh, perhaps more importantly angry about how, how all of this intertwines and manifests uh, in various capacities, even in the four walls of the church. Now, in their defense, historically, the church hasn't done a great job of managing this. Take your pick, scandals past or present, you know, with the Catholic church or colonialism or the slave trade, questionable political candidates, certainly extra biblical gender roles, the list goes on. Past or present, the church does not have a great track record of dealing with these things. Yes, people are angry. Of course they're angry. But here's the kicker. They're allowed to be, and you need to let them. The human emotion spectrum makes us more like God. Anger is an emotion. Let people emote. As long as they're self-controlled and godly about it. You let people be happy without batting an eye. You let people be sad without calling their character into question. You let people be joyful without reading a Facebook status and sending them a, a message with a scripture. You let people be disappointed without wondering how they serve as a small group leader, given their rants on political, uh, uh, the state of politics in America or race relations. Let people be angry. Honestly, there are much worse things, much worse things like sin. Sin 
defiles us in the eyes of God. Sin keeps us out of heaven. Sin separates us from God. None of that is true for anger. Anger will not separate us from God. It does not defile us in the eyes of God because it's not sin. Calling anger sin because it leads you to say or do things that aren't like Jesus is along the lines of calling money or having money a sin because it causes some people to be greedy or materialistic. It's a huge stretch. And that kind of application of scripture is oppressive, questionable, dangerous, manipulative, and it's just not fitting for New Testament Christianity. Also, in my opinion, it's just plain lazy. I call all of us, myself included, to be more thoughtful. This is just as much for me as it is for you or anyone else. As God's handiwork, our emotions, anger included, make us more like our creator. Sure, we still need to be ambassadors for Christ. Yes, we still need to love our neighbor. Absolutely, I need to be like Jesus. Agreed, I still need to be a light to the world. But I'm of the school of thought that people can be angry and still do all of these things. Although, I will concede it may pose additional challenges in doing so. In case you're wondering, I'm not angry. But even if I was, it shouldn't be that big a deal. Although in, many, and though in my case, there's the angry black man stereotype, but we can't talk about that right now. Let's talk about it another time. We're already over 3,000 words. Can I be honest? Time will tell, I suppose. <laughs>